This episode is uh, relating or dealing with the sixth stone, stone number six, which I am titling the first and the greatest commandment. Remember, these stones, these are things that are on the highway, if you will. Uh, Go back to the introduction I did a few weeks ago or several episodes ago. And um, so I'm relating that these are things that are tripping the church up in this country. It's causing problems that need to be fixed. People that uh, want to be prepared for Jesus's return, which is rapidly approaching. Uh, these are the issues. These are at least some of them. I'm sure there's probably some others, but these are the ones that I feel like the Lord has showed me. So that's why I'm, I'm talking about them and, and uh, dealing with them. So again, this one is about the first and the greatest commandment. Obviously, the word first and greatest ought to be a big clue. So uh, I want to start with a little anecdote. Uh, I have three children, two boys and a girl. And um, when my oldest, uh, my first child, who's still kind of a, a, a little kid, you know, uh, his mother would say, okay, it's, you know, it's time for bed, uh, you know, piss daddy night-night. And so he'd come over to me and I'd, I'd pick him up and put him in my lap. And basically I would kind of kiss him. <laughs> he kind of let me kiss him. <laughs> so uh, then I'd put him back down on the floor and she'd say, okay, come on, let's go. And so she'd go put him in bed. And then after she had a little time with him, then I'd come in and read the Bible to him or pray with him, that kind of thing. So as he got a little older, uh, one evening, uh, my wife said, okay, you know, kiss daddy night night. No, she said, uh, I'm sorry, let me say that. It's time for bed. Let's go. And he gets up and he goes, oh, wait, I forgot. I need to kiss Daddy Night-Night. And he came over to me, climbed up in my lap, and he gave me a big old kiss on the cheek. <laughs> now, which one of those do you think I liked best? The one where I kind of kissed on him or where he thought, I want to kiss Daddy Night-Night. Yeah, the second one. That's exactly how Jesus feels. Yeah, he loved us first, but he wants to be loved. I know that sounds weird, but he does. He wants humans to love him. You should know by now that John 3.16, although it's a good summary, or at least the introductory statement into John's summary of Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, uh, it is not the gospel in a single verse. A single verse that summarizes apostolic Christianity and the apostolic gospel is this one. Matthew 22, 37 through 38. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. So John 3.16 does not summarize apostolic Christianity. Matthew Matthew 22.37-38 summarizes it. So according to psychology, one of the most important things human beings need to be healthy mentally and emotionally is self-esteem. According to psychology, self-esteem is 
critical to human well-being. That's baloney. Never, not one time did Jesus, the creator of human beings, ever teach on the need for humans to have self-esteem. You pause there for just a second because you may have missed it. Creator of human beings. The Son of God created creation, not the Father. John 1 and Colossians 1 tell us that. Jesus, the Son of God, created creation. So he did. He never, ever taught on the need for humans to have self-esteem. If self-esteem was so important to human health, you would think Jesus would have had lots to say about it. But again, not even one time. And please do not reference Jesus' comment about loving others as we love ourselves as an example of self-esteem. First of all, Jesus says that all of Scripture can be summed up with two commands. He used the word two, loving the living God and then loving others, not three commands. You don't insert a third one about yourself. That is eisegesis, reading into the text what you wanted to say instead of exegesis, pulling out what it's saying. In other words, Jesus is saying that at the very least, his followers or to take the broken kind of love every one of us most naturally has already for ourselves and give that love to others. I mean, come on, in the morning when you wake up, who's the first person you think about? It's usually ourselves. Oh, I need a shower. Oh, I need to eat breakfast. I need to brush my teeth. I need to get dressed. I, I, I. We don't have any problem thinking about ourselves. So if anything, he's talking about self-denial something he regularly taught as being an obvious characteristic of his healthy followers. And yet, no surprise, psychology as well as those church leaders and, and those church leaders infected with the virus of psychology will insist that humans need self-esteem. For Jesus of Nazareth, loving the living God with all of one's heart, with all of one's mind, and with all of one's strength is the first and the greatest thing a human can do, even more than loving others, much less the foolishness of loving yourself. Loving others is important, we know that, but it is still second. Loving the living God is first and of greatest importance and is the, the foundation to everything else in the life of a follower of Jesus of Nazareth. It's the ultimate key to being a healthy human being and a real Christian. So how does a follower of Jesus of Nazareth grow in loving the living God first and most? Well, it doesn't happen magically, as if all Jesus does is wave his hand over a person or, or twitch his nose like, remember Samantha the Witch on the, TV, the old TV sitcom Bewitched? And cha-ching, one loves this God first and most. No, it doesn't happen like that. The love with which to love this God, first and most, is a fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 22. And as with any of the fruit, growing in them is a process. And in this process, the living God has a part, and the person has a part. The living God won't do the person's part, and the person can't do the living God's part. For example, how does a person acquire patience? That's one of the fruit of the Spirit. Well, Jesus puts the person in situations which tend to make them impatient, and he encourages them to choose to submit to him. And in that choice to submit to him, the Spirit builds patience in the person. So, over time, 
involving situations that test the person's patience, the person learns to submit to the Holy Spirit and, as a result, acquires the fruit of patience. The same thing is true with love, with a little bit of a difference. The scripture says that it's not that we love this God, it's that this God loved us first. Remember, these passages have the Greek word agape, charity in it. So it's like this. The living God himself and his charity to the sin. He reveals that to himself and his charity. That person is overwhelmed by this incredible mercy he or she does not deserve. This experience then makes the person want to love Jesus back, which he or she does, even if it's immaturity at first. Then Jesus expresses more of his love, his charity, but also his passion and his liking of the person to the now born again by the Spirit person. And they're blown away even more by it, resulting in an even greater desire to love Jesus back. And back and forth, and back and forth, this dance goes the person's, in the, throughout the person's life. The more the person experiences and tastes Jesus' love in all of its forms, the more the person wants to love Jesus back. And without realizing it, just as fruit grows, the person grows in loving the living God first and most. Secondly, just as fruit naturally grows, the person wants to love others with this real holy love that they're getting from Jesus. It's, it's just automatic. You can't help it. As with patience, Jesus will put the person into situations in which it's hard to love him, things like suffering, losses, persecution, etc. And yet the Holy Spirit will encourage the person to keep loving Jesus of Nazareth when it's hard to love him. I'm going to pause there for just a moment. I was in traffic one day, and I stopped at a stoplight, and a lot of cars on the street, and right next to me, or what had been kind of next to me, was one of those big Hummers, the big one. Not the smaller version, the bigger version. And it was black, big chrome wheels. I mean, it was something. It was really impressive. And as the light turned green and this guy began to move, I just happened to notice that on, the, on his bumper sticker, back of his car, he had a bumper sticker that said, I love Jesus. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I'll bet you do, driving a car like that. Actually, that's not love. That's lust. You don't need a Hummer with big chrome wheels. See, it's, that's not when it's loving Jesus. Loving Jesus really gets tested when it's hard to love him. That's where you find out. Because after all, Matthew 24, Jesus warns, things are going to get really hard. And most people, their love is going to grow cold and they're going to fall away. So just as Jesus noted that pagans can love those who love them, so it is with people who can love Jesus when life is good and easy, and you got a big old car, a little fancy hummer. Of course it's easy to love Jesus. But mature love is loving Jesus when it's hard to love him. And this is besides the situation Jesus puts his followers into, in which it's also hard to love another person. These also help to develop real love in Jesus' followers. But the best kind of love with which to love others is real love. 
which can only be obtained from Jesus. But again, this expression of love is secondary. Loving Jesus first is first. Doing the second commandment first is humanism. Don't switch them. It'll be bad. First means first. Second means second. Jesus will never, ever force a person to love him. He wants willing lovers, people who choose to love him, not robots who are programmed to love him. That wouldn't be honest love. Contrary to John Calvin, who is not a wise person, people are able to make choices. They have to be if Jesus is to be loved, and out of that love, then obeying willingly. Even the Holy Spirit will not force a follower of Jesus to love him and obey him. Those who have the Holy Spirit can choose to love and to obey or not. Followers can choose to sow to the Spirit and reap life or sow to the flesh and reap destruction. We are free to make that choice. I'm not saying that Jesus can't or won't press a person to choose to love and obey him. He absolutely will press you at times, but he will not cross the line from pressing to forcing. A willing lover is what Jesus is after. No one, unregenerated or regenerated, is forced to do anything, especially whether or not he or she will love and obey Jesus. The willingness and the ability to choose to love Jesus first and most is what this life is all about. The question Jesus is seeking an answer to from every human being is not, do you know that I love you? The question Jesus is seeking an answer to from every human being is, do you love me? The first and the greatest commandment is the foundation to everything in the spiritual life with Jesus of Nazareth. Some people put ministry first or family or knowing the Bible or a myriad of other things. But Jesus says the first and the greatest thing one can do is the first and greatest commandment. Be sure you don't fall in love with the Bible. That's called bible olatry. There are people who have idolized the Bible. They think knowing the Bible means they know Jesus. The Bible is a tool. It's a good tool. It's an important tool. It's helpful. But the Bible is not God. God is God. The Bible is merely his written word. So here's a fact. Every human being is able to do what they truly love. People say, well, I can't do it. Well, you can't because you don't love it. If you love, you're able to do it. We all do what we really love. We always do what we actually love. The, uh, thus, others can tell what a, truth, a person truly loves by how they live their lives. If a person loves money, they got a big hummer and a big car, and a big this, and a big that. It's obvious. If a person loves this activity or that activity, <clears throat> it's obvious, etc. Also, if a person loves Jesus of Nazareth, this is obvious too. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's that simple.
Love truly is a great power. For whatever person actually loves, they're able to give themselves to it. They'll have plenty of time, plenty of energy, plenty of discipline for it, and they enjoy it. It is, it is never a problem or a hardship because a person loves it, whatever it is. Therefore, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. As I said, Jesus' demand of his followers is that they love him first and most, even before the other appropriate loves. In Luke 14, it says that large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Cannot. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. While one needs to experience this God's love first in order to have within them the love with which to love him, as well as the Holy Spirit who grows the fruit of love in the person, loving this God first and most is absolutely critical to a healthy spiritual life. And this absolutely is possible. For as I said before, Jesus prayed for this. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I've made you known to them, and I'll continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. It's not what you know, it's about who you know and who you truly love.
Oh, 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 oh,